Moms, what if I told you that there was something you could do for your baby that would make them stronger, healthier, calmer, more adaptable, and could even lower the risk of cancer and postpartum depression for you as the mother of that child? Now, what if I told you that this magical potion was free and to access it, you don't even have to leave your chair? Research has shown that while breastfeeding has numerous benefits for both mom and baby, many women, particularly women of color, do not decide to breastfeed. Our guest today, Dalvery Blackwell, founder of the African American Breastfeeding Network, and Samantha Perry, project manager of the Racine Life Course Initiative for Healthy Families, are out in the community every day connecting women and families with the knowledge and resources they need to make the right feeding choice for themselves and their children. We are also joined by frequent Living Local guest Tonda Thompson, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Milwaukee Life Collaborative, funded by Wisconsin Partnership Program. A new mom, Tonda shares her breastfeeding journey with our experts, who give her advice and offer the encouragement and support that should surround every mom and every baby in our community. I begin the interview, but as I am not a mother myself, I hand the mic off to Tonda for the remainder of our time for a very real and very interesting conversation. Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. So let's go around the table. What is one thing you want families in the community to know about breastfeeding? Samantha, let's start with you. I want individuals who are not parents to get this on their radar because one of the things that often tends to happen where oh, I'm not a mom so this doesn't really pertain to me and I want individuals to know that you may not be a mom right now but you have a sister you have a cousin and you might be able to be a support for them with any knowledge or any information that you have and also when you prepare to become a mom it's in the forefront of your mind for example I know when I become a mom I'm definitely going to breastfeed and what I want mothers to know is that there are resources in the community, there are um, legislation and policies, there are services that are available to mothers, and 100% of issues related to breastfeeding can be resolved. The focus of the Life Course Initiative for Healthy Families Collaborative is to reduce infant mortality and promote healthy birth outcomes specifically among African American families. Why the focus on families of color? Well, the answer I give anyone is look at the data. If you look at the data and you look at the rates in which African-American babies are dying before the age of one, there's a huge disparity. I know in Racine in particular, um, there is they have three times more likely to not make it to the first birthday than white or even Latino families. So once again, the data is really the, the proof, if you will, of why focusing on African-American families. And what are some of the reasons there? Why, why is there such a big disparity? The reasons are many. Um, there, uh, well, one of the things that we know for sure is prematurity is a higher is the leading cause as to why um, infants die before the age of one. And one of the things that we know, a statement of it, something about being an African American woman in this country. I don't know what else to tell you. It's not good for your health. So when you look about stress and stressors and racism and things of that nature, it really does play a role in creating a not-so-good environment to have a baby. I agree with um, what you're saying, and then in Milwaukee, too, we have uh, disparities, but we also have uh, racial inequalities. 
when we look at structural things that happen, for example, in the medical community or even in both hospitals um, and workplaces that contribute to the disparities. And I just want to add on top of that, too, that it's and oftentimes <clears throat> individuals think that it's only African-American women uh, who are lower income. But also think about corporate America, African-American women in different places where there are levels of structural racism even there for advancement. So it's not just poor African-American women. It's all African-American women. How does breastfeeding contribute to a healthy birth outcome? Breast milk and breastfeeding impacts a person, both the mom and the baby, throughout their lifespan. It's just not the first six weeks or the first six months or the first year. It truly impacts an individual's life. The mother who is uh, supplying it and the baby who is demanding the breast milk, it impacts their lives throughout. Um, Breast milk is perfect for any baby born at any gestational age. Babies who are in NICU and receive mother's milk uh, leave the NICU much sooner than babies who are only on uh, Neoshore or formula for babies who are born premature. And also adding to that, we know that, that birth spacing is important. And, I, and I'm not mistaken, there's a lot of research that talks about breastfed um, women who breastfeed. There is um, a longer birth spacing in between births, and that increases the, as I call it, you get to heal up really good before you have another child. Can you explain a little bit more what what benefits would a mom and a baby see well mm-hmm. as they as they grow together? So when the mom and baby is together and breastfeeding is occurring successfully, the psychological benefits of bonding, for example, is very important for just thriving and having a healthy lifestyle. For mothers, ovarian cancer and the risk of um, I said ovarian cancer and breast cancer is reduced if a mother breastfeeds exclusively. And is that for the first six months? The American Academy of Pediatrics now recommends that a mom breastfeeds from birth up to a year to receive the full benefits and beyond. So we never really dictate or give a number for when a mom should wean. It's truly a decision between the mother and the the baby and the family Mm -hmm. when that mom should wean. We are seeing women breastfeed longer and we are seeing women breastfeed um, every for every baby that they have, which is a good which is a good thing. Samantha, for us here in Milwaukee, our fo- the focus of the life collaborative work that we do is on prematurity. In Racine, it's breastfeeding. Why did Racine choose breastfeeding? Going through data a few years ago, as we normally do, we look at infant mortality, we look at prematurity, look at low birth weight. Um, one of the things that we started to look at was actual breastfeeding initiation um, at the hospital. And we noticed uh, about three or four years ago that there was a disparity in that. And so thinking to ourselves, okay, there's something here that we need to take a further look at. So one of the things that we did was, take once again, take a look at, uh, at data and as well as um, working with other partners, and we saw an opportunity based on the Surgeon General report that came out about breastfeeding around that time to uh, look to find, well, do we have any peer educators in our community? Well, we found that we didn't really have, I would say, enough to meet the capacity. So we took it upon ourselves to find a way to get a peer educator. And so all of that really led to uh, an environmental scan we did a couple years ago to get a sense of how can we really move the needle on that. Because looking at Racine, there are about 1,700 births a year. 
And out of those births are about 300 African-Americans, mm-hmm. uh, babies born. And looking at that, only 30% or so of women even initiated while in the hospital. So we knew something had to be done then in more and more research, and we found the connection between um, infant mortality as well as breastfeeding and looking at the day, looking using WISH, the Wisconsin Interactive Statistics on Health. And we saw that even within our infant deaths, there were as a higher rate for women who didn't breastfeed. Mm-hmm. So we began to do those kind of, connect those dots, and we said, okay, this is something that we really need to focus on because, number one, the power of this really hold, really lies in the family. It really... Information is great, but it's really up to them to control what it is they do. So providing enough information for a person to make an informed decision was really key. Most women make the decision on how they're going to feed their babies, like the first trimester, as soon as they find out that they're pregnant. So working with women when they're pregnant, starting very early, mm-hmm. uh, immediately is very important and having them come to classes. Through our work, we encourage women not only to come to the community breastfeeding classes, but go to every educational opportunity that you have in front of you. Uh, Take multiple classes. Talk to friends. Talk to families. Talk to your physicians. Read books. Gather as much information so that um, when women enter the hospital, they have breastfeeding confidence. They're confident. They know that they're they're going to produce milk. They can ask for a lactation consultant in the hospital. They know already that in every hospital there is a lactation consultant. It's very important for mothers to know that. Um, so the normalization of breastfeeding is very common in Caucasian communities when you look at the numbers. They have a 70% initiation rate. They tend to breastfeed uh, for a year and longer. Uh, multiple people in their households are breastfeeding, so they see breastfeeding all the time. They have those conversations about breastfeeding, and that's what we're not seeing in communities of color, which is a, a huge issue, and we have to change that narrative. So even individuals having the knowledge and making those choices and making the best choice for them, always making sure that we're promoting that. And then oftentimes the fathers are always left behind. Well, that was going to be another one of my questions. How do you involve fathers? You have to let them design what their breastfeeding education will look like. We have been involving fathers pretty much from day one. And when we initiated our educational session, we called it the sister-to-sister chat room because we really thought that just women would come together and we would talk and we would chat. But instantly and quickly we learned that women would bring other people, grandparents, uh, best friends, fathers, uncles. And so we changed it to the community breastfeeding gathering. So we've always engaged the extended family. For our father peer advocate, we hired someone Father peer advocate, we didn't use, we don't use the word, we don't, in his title, as a breastfeeding peer uh, counselor, because men don't see breastfeeding like we see breastfeeding. And, breast, and to use the word breastfeeding can be a, a turnoff for men. So we allow him to design his sessions. And to be quite honest with you, they speak about, they have a discussion on breastfeeding for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Most African-American men are not going to come to a class on breastfeeding for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's 15-minute conversation. They get the main points in, what to do, what not to do, what to expect, uh, who to call for help, and then they talk about everything from haircuts to sports to their cars, and that's a beautiful thing. And another thing about I really appreciate about the work that we do, we do not allow females into that space. Mm-hmm. So respecting the space and respecting how the men are creating their own uh, breastfeeding awareness uh, work is very important. Delvery, 
what moved you? You're, you're one of the co-founders of the African-American Breastfeeding Network. You talked a little bit about your own experience with breastfeeding. Was that before you got involved as a peer advocate? I was a breastfeeding peer counselor for five years in week. When I started breastfeeding, my life changed. I changed as a person. I realized that quickly I can give life and provide life as long as I want it. I breastfed both of my children. We, we, it's self-weaned, so I breastfed them until they stopped around three years old. I had a beautiful breastfeeding experience, um, and I enjoyed being a breastfeeding peer counselor. It was truly one of the best jobs I ever had because I was able to interface with women one-on-one. -on -one. The trust barrier immediately knocked down because these women saw me at Walmart. They would see me in the grocery store or driving or on the street. So that um, connection happened instantly. We had a developed, a, developed a wonderful relationship uh, where it was an equal exchange. I was learning from them, and I honestly, I used a lot of what I learned from the Women in WIC to build the African-American Breastfeeding Network and to really reach out to families. And um, I'd just like to add that peer-to-peer -peer model and home visitation is two of the most important things our community need to invest in. Mm -hmm. it's the, those two are the most important things we can do to increase breastfeeding rates. Honestly, nothing else matters. I think Milwaukee would be one of the first communities that really ignite and move forward public breastfeeding. The new movement that I notice across the country is developing public spaces where it's enclosed. And in all honesty, I think in order to really normalize it, where women breastfeed anywhere comfortably, the promotion of private places that's enclosed, um, I'm sh and I have to respect the fact that some women just do not feel comfortable breastfeeding in public. At the same time, we need to have a movement where women can, there are spaces where women can openly breastfeed. Um, our movement will only be deterred. Uh, our uh, data around um, women of color and increasing their race, I think, will not be uh, achieved if we push, you know, push forward the agenda of having public spaces that are enclosed. I understand <clears throat> that there are places where there are women, millions of women who still don't like to breastfeed publicly, but as we are creating those private enclosed places, having places to like parks, Mm -hmm. um, bus stops where women just feel they're protected. And I, I know that's stretching it because we can't in America really envision that where mm -hmm. women are just, but when you go any other place any in other the country. world, they're breastfeeding any place and feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. So normalizing it also means that we're creating safe spaces where you can breastfeed publicly and covered maybe, but open however you choose to. Well, at this moment, I'm going to hand off to Tonda Thompson. So I've been having a personal problem myself. I have a five-month-old. Um, by the way, I'm Tonda Thompson. I am the Community Engagement Coordinator for Milwaukee Life, of course, Initiative for Healthy Families, convened by the United Way of the Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County, and I am funded by Wisconsin Partnership Program. Um, so this conversation, um, I, I have a, a five-month-old son, Jelani. Um, so actually today I've been... Um, contemplating on whether I should switch to formula um, and um, what Dalvary just said about, you know, people saying, like, you're not producing enough. And really, I, I think I'm probably producing more than most women. Um, so it's just 
I come from a family um, where breastfeeding isn't common, so I'm the one that's kind of pushing the forefront, and even my mom really doesn't know how to really, you know, she knows everything else. <laughs> she knows everything else, but when it comes to breastfeeding, she really doesn't, you know, know much about. So it's it's kind of hard to be in that, in a space of where, you know, I'm hearing different things about breastfeeding from family that actually do not breastfeed. So it's it's tough. These are the women that I grew up with, and I felt like they knew everything in a book. Um, but um, I feel like I'm on in this journey, not alone, because I do know Dowry, I do know Sam, Samantha. Um, I do know other women who, you know, breastfeed, but it's it's these are the women that I'm very close to and I, they don't know, so. I would say give yourself credit. You, done, you have done an amazing job. You are incredible. You are a wonderful mother. You are exclusively um, breastfeeding mom with your baby. Um, and know that all issues can be resolved. I just think it's looking at your life, like what are your, what are your plans? What are you currently doing? What do you plan to do? So um, I just I, I I really don't know. I've just been weary, like, because I can see that the, the production is dwindling now, but I know that he's drinking more. So one of the things you, I would strongly recommend that you pump at work. Okay. Like you're pumping in the morning, in the evening, that may not be enough. Mm-hmm. You would need to pump at least one time at work. Mm-hmm. And then um, when, you're, when you are with him, you don't give him bottles. You I just, don't. yeah, you save that for when you are away, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And also probably looking into like some herbal uh, supplements to boost your milk supply, but you really already have good milk supply. Mm-hmm. You're you're pumping six ounces from both breasts, so total mm-hmm. six ounces at each session, pumping session. So that's pretty good. Okay. I don't know if for, if your milk will increase um, if you take herbal supplements, for example, like mother's milk tea. Or mm-hmm. I don't think you should be consumed with the or concerned with your supply because you have good supply. It's what you don't have in the reserve, so you don't have milk frozen. I don't. I, I had, I had a really great reserve, but over the last weeks I've been using it because he's been drinking extra, and I've been sending the reserve with him. So pumping on demand, I think it's called. Um, yeah, and you, okay. yeah, you would just take an hour out the day to pump. Uh, three times within that hour to build your milk supply because you do really do you do need to build your milk supply up. He's five months. Um, how long do you plan to breastfeed? I plan to go to a year old. So week. even if he's getting six uh, uh, six ounces a day, if the growth if he's growing, there's no medical problems. He's gaining weight. The doctor says he's really doing well. Maybe that's really all he needs because biologically your body begins to make less milk as he's getting supplemental food. Does that make sense? So your body knows how old he is. Your body knows that you're breastfeeding. And so as he gets older, your body naturally is going to start producing less milk because he's getting supplemental food. So encourage the supplemental food. Pat yourself on the back and um, maybe pump one once while you're at work. I just wanted to share you are an expert because <laughs> you're an expert in your baby and your situation. Because even myself sitting here, I am learning from you. So I think about when my time comes, okay, I'm going to say she did this, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, make this work this way. And my thing that I think about also, in, as far as the stories I hear from women, as far as uh, having individuals in their family who aren't, um, don't know anything about breastfeeding, and not that they're not supportive, they just don't know, but they want to keep the baby. 
in order to keep the baby, this is what you have to do. You have to, you know, educate your family members on that. I know there was one person who used to at the agency who has a granddaughter, and he told his daughter, the only way I'm going to keep her is if you breastfeed and, and then when you breastfeed and bring the bag. That's the only way I'm going to keep her. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to deal with the formula. He doesn't want to deal with all that. Because you, you bottle your bag, it's just bottle and baby, done. I don't have to do anything else. So it's really more so about, I mean, sometimes people love to keep the baby. They want to keep the baby. In order to do that, this is what you're going to need to do. This is what you're going to need to do in order to... His time is, is, is valuable, and this breastfeed is valuable. So in order to have him and keep him, you got to learn. They have, you have to get them to speed and not the other way around. I mean, luckily, I, my mom breastfed me, and going up through the years, I had friends who breastfed their kids, so it was always around me. I had a cousin who didn't breastfeed, so I've, I'm experiencing in the, in the 80s, the formula and the bottle and the bag and all that kind of stuff, which seemed to be a lot for me. I'm like, this is too much work. But nevertheless, it's like, it's just, once again, it's because an individual doesn't um, have that experience. Um, they should definitely try their best to be a support for that person and read up or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, with you, it's it's the total opposite with me. Like, my mom talks about, like, how in the 80s it was um, broadcast to not breastfeed. Like, it was it was shamed. It was it was looked down upon. So, like, our family has that dynamic, like, ill. Like, you put, you put out your breast and you're going to feed the baby in front of us. So I literally, the first three months of Jelani's life, I had to talk to my family, like, hey, you know, I'm going to pull out my boobie, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so I had to have, I have to warn family that I'm going to do this. And now it's becoming, I think, I I, I can say from my seven-year-old niece standpoint, she understands that Jelani is healthier because he's breastfeeding. Because Jelani doesn't get sick that he... So he, you're part of the normal, normalizing thing. Yes. So now she she sees it. And I, I actually... Um, there's a baby at... Um, there's a four-year-old at, at my aunt's daycare. And I had to go home and breastfeed one day from work. Um, so now she sees me. So she witnessed me breastfeeding the first time. So now she sees me and she points with both of her fingers like, you have milk in those boobies. <laughs> And she says it in a weird way, like, you have milk in your boobies. And every time, like, that's how she's addre- she addressed me that way. So I'm normal- normalizing that for her, um, as well as the rest of the babies that are in the daycare, as well as the rest of my family. So, But you're doing a great job. And I, I don't, I don't want to give up um, because, you know, I look at the formula bottle and I look at the ingredients, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I've been... Ever since a child, I was always the one that said, ew, I do not like cow milk. Because when I first went to a, for- a farm, I saw where cow milk comes from. <laughs> and I've been turned off since that, since about four years old. Um, that's breast milk. Yes, yes, that's a cow for the, breast for milk. The, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not knocking, you know, cow milk, but um, I just rather, <laughs> I would rather provide, you know. And, and, and also the relationship with my son when he's breastfeeding. You know he's a, he's an adorable child, but when he's breastfeeding, I see all of his like his personality comes out. Like yesterday, he was doing a funky chicken <laughs> or something when he was breastfeeding. I'm like, okay, I, I guess it must Happy. be good. <laughs> and the eye to eye contact that bond. Yeah, like well, I'm, I might be I might be talking to my mom and he'll like pause and look like, yeah. okay, what you talking about, mom? Yeah. And he'll lash back on like you know he he he's a chill, he's a nice chill baby, and he he chills and he I he hear talks. that. 
from a lot of moms, mm-hmm. like, why do you want to breastfeed? Because helping mothers identify what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to say breast is best. What's in it for you? Why would you want to breastfeed when there's formula? And we hear bonding is the number one reason. Bonding and for fathers saving money. Mm-hmm. And the health benefits. Yeah, yeah. So they can articulate the health. Mothers can articulate the health benefits, but it's getting, making that successful to them. It's, it can be some challenges, and you're experiencing mm-hmm. with your milk production. But having reassurance, family member support is really, it, it can really help you achieve your goal of breastfeeding. You got some good content because <laughs> I, I just got some good content here. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm definitely going to send it to my friend. I think she'll be very happy. And I really like this. I like hearing you have a conversation. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. real conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that part. And yeah. there are a couple times where I'm just like, yeah, I think it's a, it's important you know, to hear real experiences. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. conversations that mm-hmm. we all hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. That was United Way's Tonda Thompson speaking with Dalvery Blackwell, executive director and co-founder of the African American Breastfeeding Network, and Samantha Perry, project manager of Racine Life Course Initiative for Healthy Families at Racine Kenosha Community Action Agency. Both AABN and the Racine Life Collaborative are hosting upcoming events for new moms, pregnant moms, and families to learn more about breastfeeding. For more information on upcoming community events, visit the blog that accompanies this episode on our website, unitedwaygmwc.org blog. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Melissa Hannon, John Waldbauer, and Brian McCaig. A very special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our theme song.